Welcome to Blooming. This segment is a continuation series of season two where we discover how health and wellness is so much more than diet and exercise. Home environment is this week's topic and so many of us are hyper aware of what is currently working and not working in our home environment lately. So if things are not working for you and you don't wanna move, what are some things that we can do to create a home environment that we actually enjoy being in? One big struggle right now is that kids are home from school. So I've brought my good friend, Monica LaPere-Nassar, again to the show. She has two young boys. She's a health coach specializing in family well-being, and she's also creating an amazing program for homeschoolers that involves tapping into your intuitive brain. So I've asked her to speak with us and give us some insight into how we can make small changes at home that will improve your child's learning as well as your sanity. So thanks so much for tuning in today. It's going to be a great one. Let's grow. Is your home environment helping you or hurting you? We've been taught that our health is determined by the food that we eat or how much we exercise. But what if there's more to it than that? I'm here to tell you that your home environment matters. We spend most of our time at home and we're raising our families here. So isn't it important to know if we're creating an environment that is supportive to our health and well-being? Here on Blooming A Healthy Home by Design, we're gonna uncover the many ways your home can support you building a healthier lifestyle for your family. We'll uncover simple ideas that will get you to think about your home differently. You'll discover how to get rid of toxins that could be lurking in your walls and cupboards, to new ideas in color psychology, furniture placement, anything and everything that can help influence positive mood and behavior so you and your family can lead healthier, fuller lives at home. I'm Sheila Alston, founder of Healthy Home Media and editor of the Wellness Real Estate Magazine and Healthy Home Magazine. I'm on a mission to bring health and home together. I'm searching far and wide to bring guests who will guide you with simple and actionable steps that you can take to help you and your family bloom and grow. So thanks so much for being here. Together, we're making the world a healthier place, one home at a time. We've had two months at home and kids are doing online schooling. And for many parents, this is causing stress and anxiety. And, you know, we're not even sure what's going to happen with fall. So um, for many of us, it's just stressing. It can, it can cause a lot of stress. Um, do you find that you're struggling with keeping kids busy all day and still doing what you need to do? Or are you working from home and you're just, you just don't have the time to constantly manage what they're doing or learning. Um, my kids are a little bit older, and so it, they're pretty easy for me because um, they're pretty self-sufficient. But I know that it's just not the case for everyone out there. So I'm bringing my friend Monica on here. She has two little ones. She's going to give us some advice on how to create a homeschool environment or home learning environment that just works for you and your children. It's going to increase their learning but also save your sanity at the same time. So welcome, Monica. Hi, Sheila. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad that we are talking about this subject because I think it's really important for a lot of families to know that, um, you know, small changes can really uh, create a big impact, especially when we're talking about managing work-life balance, right? And when our two worlds combine into one, mm -hmm. uh, that can throw off our rhythm. So I'm excited to kind of just chat with you. I know that... Um, You've been privy to sort of my evolution in how I've been approaching my home environments and how to make you know certain modifications to really 
kind of adjust and adapt to having kids at home 24 seven. Yeah, I know. I'm curious because you have little ones and I know that they keep you really busy, but you're also trying to work from home. So tell me, tell me about that. How have you managed to make it work? So I have to be honest, you know, I think a lot of parents, you know, uh, are oftentimes we tend to be more reactive instead of just taking a step back and seeing and, and kind of feeling our way into a situation. There is no right or wrong way to approach how to make home learning um, more conducive for everybody. It's kind of a trial and error process. And so I'm going to kind of walk us through some of the things that I went through um, in terms of kind of creating our own personal rhythm. And again, this will look so different for everybody because it just depends on uh, what works best for your family and being in tune with that. So the first things first, we started off with like a really rigorous schedule, thinking Mm -hmm. that that would be um, the right way to go, trying to replicate school. And uh, we quickly learned that that just did not work for the home environment. Our kiddos, you know, it's hard for them to separate school and home. Like at home, they get to be free and get to play. And so to try to replicate the school environment at the home was just too difficult, especially when you have kids under, you know, six or seven years old that maybe haven't even had the time to be in a school long enough to Mm -hmm. know, you know, to have that distinction. And so, you know, we kind of threw the schedule out the door after the first week Mm -hmm. of being in quarantine. And we decided to just kind of have um, modules in place. So we had different activities that we kind of carved out. And we decided to see how we felt in the morning. You know, how do we feel? How's the energy in the room? And one of the things that we found to be really helpful is to kind of, you know, be more flexible. So we didn't, we got rid of like strict bedtimes and wake ups. And Mm -hmm. we tried to just be more organic with the rhythm of of the pace that we were taking every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And just trying to um, make it more fun. So you know, we would have breakfast and then we would have some outdoor time, you know, outdoor time is really important, especially for small kiddos to just kind of move and shift the energy. You know, they've got a lot of energy when they wake up. And so really just being able to channel that right away in the morning has been really conducive to then coming back into the home. And then let's, let's create something, let's do something. And oftentimes just doing things around the house that care for the home, what such as like watering plants, or, you know, folding up laundry or organizing, you know, a specific area of the home can be really fun for kids. And, so you're having you know, them do chores with you? That's so awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I have two boys and so I want yeah. I want to raise gentlemen who yeah. are self-sufficient. Yes. <laughs> and I truly think that that's one of the areas that, you know, as parents, this is a way for us to reconnect with our kiddos, to really teach them, you know just the right routines. But how do you make it fun? Because I feel like, you know, when my kids were really little, I would just, you know, they wouldn't be doing it the right way or I'd just get busy and I'd feel guilty and I'd be like, just go play. I'll take care of it. But then here I am doing the chores and I don't want to do chores all the time. And I wish I would have um, brought them in a little bit more when they were little, because the, the more you let them just play all the time, they grow up thinking that they don't really need to help. And my kids do help now, but it's just, it's still, it's always like pulling teeth sometimes because everyone's got an excuse. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's the secret, you know, to especially little ones, kids under seven, this is a very formative time where Mm -hmm. they're 
really amenable and adaptable to creating lifelong, you know, habits, right? This mm-hmm. is the time where we can really nurture and instill healthy habits, make your bed every morning, brush your teeth, um, put away any laundry, um, you know, just really tidying up because I think that that's really important to respect your space to wake up, you know, as, as adults, that's something that we always strive for is mm-hmm. making your bed every morning. Mm-hmm. And that sets the tone for the day. And so really starting to create those rituals okay, um, is really, really important. What do you do if it's a big struggle at first and you're like wanting to help and the kids don't, I mean, how do you recommend that you bring those little kids in to do some of these chores? I mean, how, how do you set their mindset that it's fun or that it's, um, something that they want to help with because they're part of the family versus, you know, you got to do this. And then there's a whole bunch of, you know, uh, there's a battle, you know, because then sometimes you you don't want to have a battle. So you just give up. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So obviously, I mean, I was, we're very, you know, I've always instilled sort of chores from the get go as Mm -hmm. part of just the way it is. Mm -hmm. But if you are new to introducing this to a child, there's a couple of things you could do if, Um, If they're really into like stickers or like some sort of chart, you can create like a chore chart Mm -hmm. with either magnets or stickers and they earn, you know, different Mm -hmm. points, whatever you, you can develop to make it kind of more of a game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the things we started doing too, just because yes, it could be a little, I don't want to do that. And so then you kind of have to remind yourself to be a kid again and tap into the play aspect or the fun aspect of doing things. And so oftentimes I'll say like, okay, let's do a race and let's see who can sort, you know, as many socks as possible or whatever, find the matches for the socks. And so you find little ways to gamify uh, the activities. And, you know, we also then just logically just talking to your child and, and, and telling them why it's important. We take care of our things. We treat our things nicely. We want our home to be nice. And so just kind of coaching them through why it's so important that our home environment, that we care for our home environment, that we treat our things, you know, with respect and really um, modeling that behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has always been something that, you know, is really something easy that you can do just conversationally. And also remember that they're always watching us. And so if you're modeling the behavior you want them to do, you'll see, they'll start asking, Hey mom, can I help you with that? Or, you know, how can I get involved? And so you're kind of being able to leverage their playfulness and their, their ability to want to do what you're doing because they want to mirror what they see. So what are your prizes on your chart? Cause they don't always have to be food. I feel like I've talked to somebody like my sister was doing a chore chart for her son to get him to stop um, using his pacifier at night. So she was like, Mm. you know, she's a, she's a business executive. She's like, I just, I thought of a sales chart for him, (laughs) like, you know, sales goals (laughs) and things for him. So his was to pick out dinner one night. Like he would get to be the boss and pick out what everybody was going to cook for dinner or that they would get to, um, he would get to pick the bedtime story because he's got an older sister and he she always gets to pick. So just stuff like that. I wonder, it makes me curious, like what are your prizes you do for your kid? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. My kiddos have always been, I mean, they're, my oldest really loves stickers. And mm-hmm. so we always did kind of a sticker, even did that for potty when we were doing potty learning and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so stickers are really big for us. And we get like, I always collect, I'm like one of those people when I find things, I just keep, 
a stash of goodies in the closet and I can, you know, bring them out when needed. So whether that's a new game or a new like chart with like, nowadays there's so much out there that you can purchase that looks cool that make them want to do it. So we have like a Velcro one with like different, um, little, uh, stars and like little like symbols that they can you know move along this chart if you will like a mm-hmm. chore chart yeah we have ma- magnets we have stickers but there i don't actually reward with actual things so okay. the only time that right now with the six-year-old we're doing um he's earning uh like sort of i guess you would say like, like his allowance but we're not calling it that yeah um so he's trying to save up for something and so yeah. we'll say okay well we, you can water the plants every two you know twice a week and so we have this little, little schedule and he gets a dollar for watering the plants and so for him it's like he understands his constant yeah he, he loves his piggy bank so for him he's very like he understands that correlation of saving up for something which i think yeah. is really special yeah um but yeah we've tried tried to avoid rewarding so much with like food or any kind of physical thing just because we don't want it to we don't want them to be motivated by objects but more so like you know but honestly there is no wrong way I think as a parent you have to find what works for your kid because every child is so different Mm -hmm. um that you know even what works for one of your kids may not work for the other so I I love the ability to give them choices I think what your sister's doing is great about letting the, you know, them pick what they're going to have or what the family is going to have so that they feel a sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, leadership there. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's still a really, really fine tool. I think it's all bio-individual based on the family and the dynamics of the child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things I want to emphasize too is what works one week may not work for the next week. And so really allowing yourself some grace And, you know, at the end of a day or at the end of the week, you know, revisiting the schedule, revisiting the flow, what worked, what didn't work, and then make adjustments and course correct. Because, you know, just like, you know, there are days or weeks during this quarantine where you feel really great, or maybe you're feeling not so great. You want to make sure that you're allowing for those um, adjustments, you know, in your schedule and feeling like you're not tied to one specific thing mm-hmm. that you can make modifications. And if one day there was no one wanted to do the activities that you had planned or worksheets or whatever, then that's okay. Maybe you just needed a, a day off to just recalibrate. And then the next day or the next week, it'll all kind of work itself out. So just allowing yourself that check-in mm-hmm. is really, really important. Um, you said something then, about modules, though, in the beginning, how oh, was, yeah. you threw out the schedule and then you did modules. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So basically, depending on your age group, obviously, I have a kindergartner and I have a preschooler. So there's not a whole lot of formality as far as, uh, you know, subjects that we must cover. But I did. Um, so I've already one of the things that I identified for my kindergartner, we went and got a bunch of workbooks with different subjects. And so I have, you know all various uh, levels and activity books that he would choose. Uh, You know, he can choose whichever one he wants. So we have the work, the workbook aspect of things for the preschooler. I was able to find as well for his level, 
different activity books that he could also do. So we have workbook time or table time. Um, so that's like one module. We do another module where it's baking. And, you know, the kitchen is a really, really fun home learning environment. You can learn math. You can learn numbers, counting. Um, and honestly, kids at this age, especially at the age group that I'm speaking of, six and three, they're very much sensory driven. They want to be hands-on. They want to be immersed in what's happening in the home. So um, for us, baking and cooking has been a huge teaching tool. So again, it's kind of thinking outside of the box of what yeah. traditional uh, learning could look like. Did you follow um, like a curriculum for the baking or were you just like cooking and you're like, this is half a cup and you're just, <laughs> you're just talking to them <laughs> as you're doing it? Or well, it's like, okay, it's just finding opportunities to incorporate math. So, you know, with the four-year-old, we're like, okay, count how many eggs, we, you know, and so he oh, like, he's right. counting the eggs as we're yeah. cracking. Yeah. Um, you know, with the six-year-old, we have him measure you know, using the measuring cup to, to get to a certain, you know, uh, amount, um, you know, and just that kind of thing with the measurements is going to be really helpful with the math component and just counting in general. Um, and then also the cleanup is really, really a fun for them too. So they actually have started to help with the dishes. Oh. Our dishwasher is broken at the yeah. time currently. So we are very grateful that they're into wanting to help <laughs> with the kitchen cleanup. Yeah. So that's also a thing, what working as a team, you know, so if you have siblings, like allowing the older one to kind of lead, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening and kind of giving direction and guiding the younger sibling is also really great. Mm -hmm. um, we often, you know, take that for granted, but communication is a really huge, big skill and just learning um, how to be patient, right? That's something that uh, we all could use more of. So, okay, but this um, sounds like kind of a full-time job that you're having to do this for your kids. And I know that you work. So how are, <laughs> how are you fitting in working when you're trying to also teach modules to your kids during the day? They don't nap, do they? Yeah. No, not anymore. Yeah. Um, so basically we do have quiet time. So there's mm -hmm. like 30 minutes every day where we get to do some quiet time. So that allows me to kind of check in. Um, but also with my spouse, we have a schedule. So one of the things that's worked really well for us is to um, schedule our office hours. And so we've been doing four hour windows that works for us. We have the ability to do that. So we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, so that has allowed us to kind of tag in and tag out and we kind of we kind of give each other an assessment okay this is where we're at with with food and with snacks or uh, these are the activities that we have done and truthfully my spouse and i kind of divide and conquer he's more the we call him the pe he's all about physical <laughs> the PE teacher, uh, yeah. activities yeah. <laughs> and then i'm the one that does most of the curriculum stuff you know things that yeah. any uh, we do Spanish classes, things like that. So I'm more of like the te the formal teacher, if you will. Um, and so that's worked for us. So it's almost like playing to your strong suits yeah. and, um, and doing that. Uh, also, even just giving your, the opportunity for your kids to be bored. Oftentimes, I don't have activities. And I'll say, okay, play outside in the yard. Find something to do. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at how, like, that's a really important skill for them to problem solve, to yeah. find other things to do other that aren't even toy related, like just go outside and play with the bugs or look at nature or, you know, just kind of find a fun game between the two of them to play. That's really, really important too. So oftentimes as parents, we forget 
what it's like to be a child. I know my sister was telling me this story about her four-year-old and she said, he was like, mama, I'm bored. I'm so bored. And she's working from, I mean, she's working a ton from home. Usually she travels a lot, but she's been at home, but she still has all this work to do. And she's constantly in meetings. So she was like, well, when I was your age, my sister used to ignore me. And so I used to have to just go out and play by myself. So she's like, I would go out and create an adventure world for myself. And I would, you know, like build a little fort and I would just see what adventure I could create for the day. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, what adventure could you create today? And he's like, I don't know. I'll go outside. So he did. He went outside and played for like 45 minutes all by himself. And so she was like, yeah, it was awesome. And I thought, oh, it's amazing. Sometimes they just need an intention for Uh the day. And that's Uh like another thing I was going to bring up is really starting that mindful practice. Uh Um, Even the beginning of the day, like you know, we start off with like, what is the, and, and they may not understand the word intention, but you explain that, you know, what would be one thing that would make you really, really happy or what, you know, what's the one thing you want to do today? And mm-hmm. so just making sure that you're also involving them in the creation of the day and to have intention, to have sort of a goal in mind mm-hmm. for what you want the day to look like. And then at nighttime, we have a gratitude practice where we say, okay, what are the three things that you're grateful for? What were your three favorite things today? What made you happy? So really starting to connect, you know, all of the gifts that we have, you know, not taking that for granted and really bringing that top of mind, especially at night, I think is a really great way to kind of add to your bedtime routine. Um, That's been really, really impactful. I love that. I love that because um, kids then, I mean, if you don't ask the question, what's the one thing you want to do today? I mean, you can grow up and be an adult and not realize that you have that ability to think ahead and think, what's the one thing that I need to do? I just read that book. What's the one thing? And it's awesome. And it helps you really stay focused. So it's such an amazing thing that you're doing for your kids to even ask that question at such an early age, because they'll grow up thinking, well, what's the one thing I want to do today? You know, what's the one thing I want to accomplish? And to talk about goals at such an early age too, that's amazing. It's so great. (laughs) Yeah, I think sometimes um, as parents, we forget that our kids are, you know, they're smart and Mm -hmm. they're aware and they can understand things. We just have to break it down in a way that um, allows them to understand, you know, really kind of higher concepts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that it's never too late or too early to start talking to your children, actually speaking with them, connecting with them, being, you know, really present in what questions do they have, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. A lot of parents may not even think to ask your child questions, but that's something that, you know, we, we strive for. We try to ask them, how are you feeling? So that they can start to really create vocabulary to express themselves and how they're feeling and start to make those connection points is really, really important. And now that we're moving into the summertime, you know, summer camps are pretty much non-existent this summer, mm-hmm. you know, really starting to think about you know, ways in which you can create a little bit more connection this summer with just simplifying things, you know, finding the joys and, you know, wash your car in the driveway and get them involved. I mean, it can be the most simplest activities Mm -hmm. and may, you may even be thinking like, that's kind of boring, but for a child, it's really exciting for them to be involved Mm -hmm. in things that you're doing. So Yeah, I love that. Really great. Would you have any tips mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't have a spouse that they can tag team with? Like, what could they do um, with their career? Like, if they have young kids that need to study their schoolwork and they just they want to be a little bit involved, but they have to work. What would you suggest that they do? 
You know, that is a really, really tough thing. And I know that I have a lot of um, friends that have asked the same question about trying to time shift. And I say, you know, that's exactly what you need to do. Hopefully your job understands that you're working from home and also your children. So I know a lot of them have been able to carve out different work hours. So whether that's waking up a little bit earlier than your children to get a lot of work done, Mm -hmm. right? And then um, being hopefully able to start that dialogue with your child about mommy has to do this phone call, you know, right now it's time for reading or, you know, giving them options, like almost creating stations in your home Mm -hmm. where you can sort of do the setup and say, okay, it's puzzle time. And we're going to do this activity while mommy has a phone call, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of do, you know, try to involve them in choosing the activities. So maybe Mm -hmm. they feel a bit more ownership of what's happening, um, you know, and then kind of mirroring what you want from them, you know, and and doing that. It's very, my hats are off to all the moms that are, don't have the ability to tag team with a spouse as far Mm -hmm. as timing, but being able to time shift and really creating different home learning stations within your home that have different activities will allow the child to at least have a little bit more rhythm and uh, flow. And then obviously I know a lot of parents are relying on screens. So just, you know, being intentional about what screen times they're having, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, educational apps, there's so many really great ones and really just allowing for some rotation of that would be just the only thing to keep in mind. I remember, so my son, well, he's, 22 now so he's old but when screen time was uh, when he was little and it was just um we were just talking about video games and everything one of his friends parents told me that her son had to earn his screen time through reading so if, what how however many minutes he read he would get equal amount of minutes for screen time so he was like really so he would go read for like two hours so that he could have two hours of screen time and I was like that is brilliant and I heard about it when I feel like you got to set the stage and set the rules in the beginning before you give them the screens or whatever otherwise it's really difficult to change the rules a lot um so I started to implement a little bit of that but boy that was such I wish I would have heard of that before (laughs) I gave them the screens That's a good rule. Well, no, you're absolutely, it's true. They should earn the screen time. And, you know, my son, my, my four-year-old only gets 30 minutes a day. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's usually when either I'm working out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I get in my workout. So we do a task that, or Mm -hmm. if my son is taking like a virtual karate class, then, you know, so it's something that allows me to, um, also get that 30 minutes of mm-hmm. whatever, I, you know, if I have work that I need to do, I try to squeeze it in there as well. So it's just really being um, clever with mm-hmm. the time that you do have and multitasking as much as you can, as far as trying to get everybody, get enough coverage to allow you to get, have a couple of gaps here and there throughout the day to get some work done mm-hmm. um, is really, is really cool. And also too, like, um, you know, because we are in close quarters, just giving each other some space and everybody has their own kind of activity also, I think is much needed to just make sure that there's a nice flow and rhythm and peace in the home as well. So everyone's kind of doing their own little thing. Yeah. Um, it, it works out. It yeah. works really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know that you're still working on this homeschooling program that you're starting, but I'd love to get a little teaser and um, just hear more about what it's going to be because I feel like you have a really unique concept. I'd love to share it with people. 
Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. So we have right now, um, yes, we're in development of right from the start at home, which mm-hmm. will be a um, experiential learning module system along with um, we're incorporating ways to um, really create healthy habits right from the start. That's the premise. Mm-hmm. And using experiences to help create learning moments for your child, whether that's through movements like yoga or like we were talking about baking or process art, there are ways in which we can experience different activities Mm -hmm. um, that allow us teaching moments that are going to be really meaningful for Mm -hmm. younger children. So we are focusing mostly on two to five uh, is the age group, but um, this will be a really great way for you to set up expectations of how the rhythm of the home will be. So we will talk about home setup and how we can create home learning environments that are going to be conducive to, you know, allowing your child to be more independent. Oftentimes, like one sneak peek thing um, that we're going to talk about is how do we actually organize our home to be more conducive for independent play? Mm -hmm. And there are ways to do that. Oftentimes, we think we have to like create a special space space or you know have a bunch of toys like all out at once and actually that's very overwhelming for a small child so Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about ways to really organize you know and rotate your toys that you display and how you display them and making it more of a exploration and a discovery for the child versus like overwhelming or trying to force a certain situation right Mm -hmm. upon them so it's going to be um, we're really excited because it's gonna. We're gonna incorporate health and wellness, and how to really um, do that for um, every member of the of the home, but also then creating these experiences uh, and and really promoting learning really early on I in a that. child's life. I love that. Mm-hmm. And you also have something that touches on the intuitive brain aspect too, because I remember we talked about that. Can you share a little bit of that? Um, are we talking about, I'm assuming we're talking about the fact that um, from ages zero to seven, mm-hmm. um, our our kids' brains are essentially very much amenable to their environments mm-hmm. their sponges. They mirror exactly what they see and feel and taste. And so mm-hmm. this is a very formative time for a child's life. If you start to develop healthy habits and a ritual in place in the first seven years of life, it really serves as their foundational belief system. This is how they eventually in adulthood generate all of their actions come from the subconscious part of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a solid structure, a solid belief system built upon healthy habits right in the beginning, Mm -hmm. they're always going to have that as their foundation. So they will build from a solid solid place. Yeah. Okay. So if someone is interested in this and they want to just um, be on your list for when you're ready, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I simply say, um, go ahead and you can direct, uh, email me at Monica calibrate your wellness.com. And we are going to be, um, creating an interest, like a wait list for this beta program that we'll be launching. Um, our, our hope is to be launching in September. Mm-hmm. Um, so just feel free to email me directly and I can get you more information as it comes about. Um, but yeah, that's the best way. And also just follow me on Instagram because I will be absolutely talking about this in more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so my handle is calibrate your wellness. Awesome. Thank you so much. I loved this interview. And I just think that there's so many people struggling with that right now. And um, 
especially knowing that school's not going to start until September. Oh my gosh, it's been a long few weeks already. And then we've got the summer. And um, so thank you for sharing everything that you did. And thank you. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Sheila. What a great interview. So just to recap, you know, there's really no right or wrong way to set up a learning environment for you and your kids. Throw the strict schedule out the door and try to think of a learning environment in more modular format. You know, um, outside playtime, then workbook time, quiet time, helping time, music time, baking time or cooking time, things like that. Let them help you with chores or help you cook. And everything you do around the house can be a lesson for your kids and you can make it fun by just how you frame it and create games or challenges. So um, chore charts can also be very effective too. She also said that setting an intention every morning with your kids can do wonders for helping them understand that they are creators of their day and that they can set goals and achieve them. And she also recommends having a gratitude and recap of the day just before bed. If you have a partner you can tag team with, set a schedule or block your time so that each of you get time to work um, on what you need to get done too. But if you don't have that, then you can help your kids set up different learning stations, but know that it's okay for your kids to be bored and to have quiet time too. It's actually a great skill for kids to learn to be by themselves, to problem solve by themselves, and to entertain themselves. You can frame it as a creative time for them to be quiet and to use their imagination. At the end of the day, even though it can be stressful to have our kids home 24-7, if we can shift our mindset to look at this as a special gift of time that we get to be present with them and connect with them in different new ways, you will enjoy the journey so much more. Monica is such a great resource for families with young kids. She spoke a little bit about her Right From The Start program and her home learning curriculum. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you, get on her wait list. Um, you can send her an email at monica at calibrateyourwellness.com or you can find her on Instagram at calibrateyourwellness. Improving our home environment for wellness is such a huge topic, and it's basically what I'm discussing each week. And it's an important area of our lives that no one really talks about. So making small changes at home, like we just learned from Monica, can make a huge difference in how smoothly your day goes with your kids. And there's just so many ways our home environment can support our overall well-being. Whether it's decluttering, organizing to de-stress, removing toxins, bringing the outdoors in, or even using color psychology in our design, improving the health of your home is something that you can control. So I hope this helps you feel empowered to learn how small changes can make big impacts. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. I hope you will go through my previous episodes and learn more about how you can create a healthier environment at home. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found something that will help you and your family bloom and grow. I'm on a mission to bring health and home together, and I invite you to join me. If you enjoyed today's episode, you might also enjoy reading the digital magazines that I publish every single month. They are called the Wellness Real Estate Magazine, which is Wellness RE, and Healthy Home Magazine. And they feature wellness lifestyle communities that are being designed and built all over the country. Plus, I have healthy home professionals that share their insights on how you can create a healthier home environment. Building biology experts, biophilic designers, wellness architects, color psychology specialists, and even eco-designers all together in one place. I guarantee it's not like any other magazine you've read before. You can check it out at www.healthyhome-mag.com. 
You can purchase single issues and I have tons of articles from over the past two years that you can share. Remember, sharing is caring. And please follow me on Instagram at healthyhomemag. Reach out and let me know how you like the show or what topics you'd like me to cover in the future. I'm open to learning more about what matters to you. Together, we're making the world a healthier place, one home at a time.